Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. All right, let's pray. Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Come do whatever you want to do. We give ourselves to you. We say yes and amen to all that you have in store for us, all that you want to do in and through us, and everything that you are, God, because you are good all the time, and your love endures forever. Amen. All right, we continue uh, with our wildlife series, as Simon introduced. If you've got your Bible open to Galatians chapter 5. All right, excellent. Or if you're in the version app, open up the app uh, and you can follow through in that as well. So we're talking about goodness today. Thanks, Beck. Beck's going to help me out. I need to find Galatians. Don't you hate it? You're in the Bible and you've used it a lot and then the one book that you want just disappears from your Bible happens all the time. I mean, it's not just the minor prophets either. It's like Romans or Galatians. I'm nearly there, Galatians 5. All right. I think it's important to read. I know that we've read it nearly every week, but it's really good to read because it carries a lot of weight. So I'm in verse... mm -hmm. Galatians chapter 5. I'm just deciding if that's where I start. Yes, it is. You, my brothers... We're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbour as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. You know what, like it's a pretty serious kind of uh, warning, isn't it, that Paul writes to the church of Galatia. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, what is going on in that church where they're biting and devouring each other? And so Paul says, wait, 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 wait. You are under a new covenant, all right? Love each other. As you... <laughs> don't distract me, please. I don't need any help. Verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I encourage you at this point, if you haven't been here, if you've missed any of the weeks that we've done on the Wildlife Series, you can go and listen to our podcast. Someone's done a great job of uh, introducing the topic of the Wildlife Series and, and looking at this whole passage and what it actually means to live this wildlife for God as we live by the Spirit. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, 
let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Basically, don't rub each other up the wrong way and don't be jealous of each other. Instead, get in step with the Spirit who loves one another as God first loved us. I want to go back to a verse here. Verse 14, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as you love yourself. As you love yourself. Too often as, as Christians and as the church, for a long time we've been really good at God is good and I am a worm. Uh, and that's not actually the message of the gospel. That's not the message of scripture. That's not the message of God. And if we don't actually know how good we are, we, don't, we struggle with how good God is. And God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That doesn't change. Yet, my sense, and particularly preparing for this morning, my sense is that we know that as head knowledge. We don't always know that as heart knowledge. And many of us are hungry for an encounter of God that shows how good He is. Because we see so much wrong with what's happening in the world. We see ourselves in pain and suffering. We see our family going through hard times and trials and tribulations. We see other people experiencing good and having a great life and they're not even following God. Yet we, faithful followers of Jesus Christ, um, seem to be having a hard run of it. Yet God is good all the time. One of the things, I have this coffee here, my hand's shaking, I don't know why, but anyway. Thank you, Beck, for making this coffee. One of the things about coffee is that coffee divides people, or it brings people together, depending on which ad you watch. Is there any uh, jealousy in the house right now? <laughs> Thanks, Beck. You're probably wondering, what does this have to do with anything? Everything, actually, because um, God made coffee. Now, uh, put your hand up if you drink coffee. If you drink coffee, bless you, well done. Uh, put your hand up if you don't drink coffee. Okay, we'll have uh, ministry time for those of you <laughs> in the service. Uh, put your hand up if you've never tasted coffee and you're over 18, all right? We'll give some allowance. If you're over 18 and you've never tasted coffee. Oh, dear Lord. Okay, yeah, special time for you too. My father-in-law actually has, I don't think, I think he's tasted coffee once, but bless him, he went to a special coffee shop for my birthday this year and helped buy coffee stuff for me, so I knew that was a big deal for him. The thing with coffee, uh, put, put your hand up if you only drink instant coffee, so if you don't actually like um, the Lord's brew as we have here right now, if you only drink instant coffee, okay, okay. See, once upon a time, churches served international roast. It comes in a catering tin, which is just a bad start, uh, and it's what they sweep off the floor in the coffee factory. <laughs> that is not displaying the love of the Father when you serve that stuff up to people. <laughs> Fortunately, we've moved on from that. And now we have coffee machines and wonderful people that know how to make good coffee in the house. Um, because this is kind of what we consider part of a valuable ministry to meet the needs of the community. Now, one, it can, coffee can divide people. Who's got their ca favourite cafe in town? If you've got a favourite that you like to go to all the time. I do. Hands up if you've got cafes that you don't like to go to in town. 
I do. We bless them, we bless every business in Horsham, but uh, yeah, we like some more than others. There's more than 12 cafes in town. You've got your choice, okay? Now, there are some people that like instant coffee. We love you. And then there are some people who like brewed coffee like this, um, espresso coffee. There's a myriad of ways to have your coffee. Some people hate coffee for some unbeknown reason. And some people love coffee. Some people are addicted to coffee. Now, I want to clarify for you all, my wife will attest to this, I'm not addicted to coffee. I just really like it. I can stop anytime and choose not to. I have gone without coffee. This is really good. Thank you. But coffee, some, one, somebody here that drinks, Mr. Kitchen could come up and have a sip of this. He drinks instant coffee. Don't, because I don't share my drinks. <laughs> could come up and drink this coffee and say, that's terrible. That's disgusting. Now, he'd be wrong, but we would still love him. I drink it and I think this is quite delicious. And some of you right now are salivating. How you see this coffee, how I see this coffee, doesn't change what this coffee is like. And we can all have a different experience of this. All right? And it, it's fair, it can be fairly relative. And on a different day with different coffee, you might like it and you can have your coffee in a myriad of different ways and so be it. I need to keep sipping it before it goes cold. I know this is groundbreaking for you. God is not like coffee. All right? I'll say it like this. Hear my heart in this. I don't... Mm, yeah, I'll say it and fix it. I don't care what you think of God. God is good all the time and his love endures forever. Now, I care about you. I do care about you. And some of us have had experiences of God that leave us wondering, what, what is God like? If God is so good, why all the badness, sickness, pain in the world? Your reality, your experience, my experience of God doesn't change what God is like. Does that make sense? So we can all have a conversation about coffee and what we like, what we don't like, what makes a really good cup of coffee, and I'm happy to talk about coffee. The thing that I'm happy to talk about more than coffee is Jesus. Because he is loving, he is kind, he is gracious, he is generous, he is patient, he is faithful, he is devoted. He's the one that rejoices over us with singing, whether we feel like it or not. He is good all the time. Since before the foundation of the world, he is good. And he doesn't change, so he is still good. So we can have our experiences, but if we base our perception, our understanding, our knowledge of God based on what we see before us, then our view of God and His goodness becomes clouded. The flow-on effect is that when our view of God is clouded and our understanding of His goodness, it actually clouds our own understanding of our own goodness. And here's why. Because our view of who we are and our view of our worth, as Pete talked about during communion, is actually based in the wonder and the goodness of God. And if you don't understand how good God is, then you will not understand how good you are in Him. All right, turn to Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 1. 
It's a fairly easy book to find. It's the first one, straight after Table of Contents. All right, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. You, us, me and you, are made in the image and the likeness of God to reflect his goodness and his wonder and his love here on earth. He actually, he made the whole earth, then he makes us, he says, I'm going to make these people in my image and give them dominion over the earth. God who is perfect, who is without sin, makes us in his image. We are good because he is good. Our goodness is a reflection of his goodness. We, we can't escape that. But to do that, as Galatians calls us to do, as Paul does in the letter to Galatia, we actually need to walk in step with the Spirit to let go of the sinful ways. Now, I want to show you something and highlight what happens when we actually step outside His will for us. We lose sight of His goodness and we step outside of the relationship that He has in store for us. You see in verse 29, God says, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. Keep that in mind. Now we go to chapter 2. No. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say... You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, I want to point out something to you. Uh, so God made Adam, saw that it wasn't good for him to be lonely, so he said, thought, okay, I'll make, a, uh, I'll make someone to keep him company. I'm paraphrasing. So he makes the woman. But ver before that, uh, in chapter 2, verse 16, sorry, I know that I'm jumping around, bear with me. Um, Verse 15 in chapter 2, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Now remember in verse 1, every tree that bears fruit has been given to mankind. Now in verse 2, God says, This one, don't eat it. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, chapter 2, chapter 3, sorry, the serpent comes... To Eve and says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? This is what the enemy does, he takes the truth and twists it. It's not what he said, but he puts a seed of doubt in the woman's mind. 
Now look at the woman's uh, response. We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. Now already, she's slightly missed the truth of what God has said. God didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat from it. So she's already taken what God said to her, the instruction that God gave, didn't actually say it to her, gave it to man, because at this point the woman had been made and said, don't eat it. Alright, so somewhere along the line they've messed up what has actually been given to them. Verse 4 in chapter 3, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's the messed up part. Man, woman in the garden, God has given them dominion over the whole earth, including every tree, every plant, and said there's one, just one, you cannot eat from. And now the serpent, the deceptive one, comes along and says, really? Is this what he said? Sows a seed of doubt. And then the woman is slightly distracted from the truth that God has given her. And so she enters into this discussion And then uh, verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. The problem was that the serpent lies to Eve right from the get-go. In verse 5 he says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. They already were like God. The fruit doesn't achieve anything more for for them from what God has already done for them. Verse 1. Uh, Chapter 1, sorry. 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. They were already made in the image of God. And now the serpent comes along and says, well, you're not really like God because there's more that you can actually access. And rather than leaning back on the truth of God's goodness that had already been told to the man and the woman, the woman says, hmm, we're missing out on something here. We haven't been given the whole story. So her experience of God shifts and changes in that moment. And so they eat the fruit. Uh, the wife eats it, the woman eats it first, shares it with her husband. Um, that's a whole other sermon series in itself. Uh, and it just gets really sad. Verse 8 in chapter 3, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as, as he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I've heard it said, it's not, just, it's not that the Lord God is walking through the garden going, where are you? In terms of physical, physical sense, but the Lord's calling out to his son and daughter that he's made and said, where? Like, where are you that you're not connected to me? That you're not connected to my heart? Where are you that you've stepped outside the realms of what I have already given you? that you stepped outside of being made in my image, that you desired far more than what I'd already done for you, that you had to go further than that, beyond that, outside of the safety of relationship with me and lose what we have. And the man answers, I heard you in the garden, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then there's a conversation um, between the Lord, the man, the woman, and they kind of just keep passing the buck. Then there's curses upon the serpent, the woman, the man. In verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. One of the things, uh, and next, 
Saturday night, the movie that we're showing, The Heart of Man, the tagline for that movie is rather than seeing uh, shame as a border that stops us, we should see it as a bridge that bridges the gap in relationship. Man and woman were so ashamed of their nakedness, so ashamed of how they saw themselves, yet God, even though he kicked them out of the garden, covered them so they would feel no shame. Here is the beauty of our loving Father. He says, I see what you do, that you would step outside the relationship with me. Yet I am so passionate about you, my child, my son, my daughter. I love you so much, the ones made in my image. I will do what is needed to actually cover your shame. Not just to cover it, to hide it away, but to actually deal with your shame. You feel naked, I will dress you. You run for me, I will come near to you. And so that is to be in the pursuit of the Father since the beginning of time. This is how much he loves us. That even when we feel the most ashamed, when we feel like the most rejected, when we feel like the most lonely, he's the one that actually comes near to us and says, you are still my child. I still love you. I have not changed. Just because your experience might tell you otherwise, that doesn't matter. What matters to me is that you are my child and I love you so much that I want you to come near to me and experience my goodness. See, it's punishment that will actually push people away. Discipline will actually increase intimacy and draw people near. God is not a God of punishment. He's actually a God of discipline, like the perfect loving Father that he is. Are you still with me? Excellent. All right, we're going to go back to the New Testament. 1 John chapter 2. So Adam and Eve, the original sinners, oh look, there's still coffee left. And God the Father, through Jesus' Son, completely wholly obedient to the will of the Father, bridged the gap, as Pete shared at communion, by dying on the cross and bringing us and restoring relationship, bringing us back into right relationship with him. Now one of the um, one of the other things um, that goes against us, uh, and I think we've believed it for a long time, and it's starting to shift, I think we kind of need to be reminded of it and hold on to it, is that once you accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour and are filled with the Holy Spirit, once you, and, and are baptised and enter into new life, the old man is dead and the new man has life through Jesus. And I know for some of us who haven't been in the church for long, that would, might be a new kind of concept, and you think, wow, that's really crazy. It's the truth. You are a new creation through Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Once that happens, you are no longer a sinner, but a sinner-made saint. And for a long time, I've been like, oh, I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm working my way to sainthood. No, no, it's actually the blood of Jesus that does the redeeming work for you to become a saint in the kingdom of God and to sin no longer. Now 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 to 6, my dear children I write this to you so that you will not sin, so that you will not sin. You don't actually have to sin. A deafening roar in here, you don't have to sin. 
it's actually possible that as a new creation we do not sin. If, if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. You, you can sin, just like Adam and Eve could eat from that tree in the garden, for knowledge of good and evil. You can sin. But as a new creation, as one who has been raised to life in Jesus Christ, covered by his death and resurrection, sin is not a natural part of who you are. And I've had this conversation many times with people, but I still do sin. Yes, it's a choice. You may be tempted, Jesus was tempted, Sin comes when you give in to that temptation and choose to follow the path of that temptation. But you are no longer a sinner. You are made right, you are reconciled to the Father through Jesus the Son. You are good because He is good. Are you with me? Now, I know, when I talk to people about this, you'll go through the next few days, next few weeks possibly, and think about the times that you are tempted or think about the times that you do enter into sin and then you will realise through each of those times it's a choice. Now there are times, and we don't have time to cover it today, that sin becomes a part of who we are through um, the demonic, uh, through sins that have taken root before we became believers in Christ Jesus uh, and we need to deal with the root of those sins. So there are behaviours that can stem from sinful, sinful behaviour through um, to the supernatural, through the demonic or through behaviours that we had before we knew Jesus and had personal relationship with him. I don't doubt that, but there is the redeeming work of Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection that pays the price for us to no longer walk in sin, but to walk in the Spirit. This is the theme of Galatians. This is the wildlife, is that we walk in step with the Spirit. We don't actually walk in step with the sinful ways of man any longer. We have a choice to make. And I heard someone say, do you know what the worst uh, temptation is, the worst sin is? It's the one you struggle with. Because we think that whatever, if, you, if I went around and said, what is your biggest area of temptation? What is your biggest area of sin? And how the fact that we even, even that we rate them beggars belief. But it's the area that we struggle with the most. For some of us, it might be anger. For some of us, it might be jealousy. For some of us, it might be greed. For some of us, it might be gossip. For some of us, it might be fear of man. And Jesus says, that's actually not a part of who you are anymore. You are choosing to enter into those behaviours because it's not a part of your nature. I have made a way for you to walk in step with the Spirit and those things are not part of how He walks. Now, and, and I don't share this, I don't say this as one who has it all together, who never sins. I sin, absolutely. But I know the love of the Father 
And it used to be, I'm like, oh God, I'm so ashamed. I, I can't, I don't know what to do. I can't go to God and talk about this. No, he's actually the one that we go to and talk about it. And he's the one that pulls us back into relationship and says, I love you. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what you haven't done, but because I made you in my image. Every single one of us in this room is made in his image. Everybody repeat after me. I am made in the image of God. That sounded so motivational right then. That was incredible. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. You have been bought for a price and set free from sin. The sin that we commit is not a part of who we are. And if it keeps us at a distance from the loving Father, that's on our side, not on his. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. When we understand, when we get a hold of what Jesus has done for us and move it from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you think that you know me because you have studied the scriptures. But I'm, he was standing right before them and they didn't know him as the son of God. They refused to encounter him as the perfect loving son and have an encounter with the perfect loving father. When we make that our heart knowledge and truly encounter him and let him encounter us, the one who rejoices over us with singing and we understand that we are good because he is good, not because of anything that we do or don't do. This is one of the things that, um, I'll put it like this, this is one of the things that makes, uh, yeah, mm, this is what makes it easy to love people. Because I don't actually love people based on what I see them doing or not doing. And I don't even love people based on my experience of them. This is one of my constant prayers. Lord, would you let me see with your eyes, hear with your ears and love with your heart? Because he has a far better, far broader perspective than I do. I'll, I'll be honest, some people drive me nuts. There are some times that my children test my patience. But I don't let my experience of my children in that moment determine their value their goodness or my overall perception of them. Does that make sense? My desire is always connection with my children, whether I feel like it or not. My desire is connection with the Father. My desire can disconnect with my wife. I don't want my experience of you and as, as believers, as sons and daughters of God, we cannot let our experience of other people determine how we interact with them and determine how much we think God loves them. Have you ever um, gone into a shop or a restaurant and you've been treated really badly and so you don't go back there? Yeah, like I've sworn off, you know, entire, not sworn off, sorry, I shouldn't say that. I've said I'm not going back to an entire chain of stores because 
One person in one shop was rude to me. Like, how stupid is that? I've never said that about a coffee shop, incidentally, but that's a different story. But this is what we do. Like, we have a bad experience of a person, we say, never going back there. Isn't it not possible that that person needed an encounter with Jesus like never before and we were right there in the moment to give them an encounter with Jesus? Yet they don't have that encounter with Jesus because they don't know how to love like Jesus because they're not a follower of Jesus and even if they are, having a, they are a follower of Jesus, they are a follower of Jesus, they might be having a really bad day and they needed the love of Jesus in that moment. They needed to experience something of his goodness, his grace, his mercy, and we were the deliverers of that goodness. And in that moment, we didn't give them that goodness because we were so turned off by the, our experience of them. So they miss out and we miss out because nobody's willing to actually share the goodness of God in that moment. We have to shift our perspective to see things as God sees them, to to hear from God the perfect loving Father, how He sees people. Especially when we don't feel like it, but even when we do feel like it. I know for some of you, I probably drive you nuts. That's okay, because my value is not found in what you think of me. My value is not found in what you think of this message. My value is not found in what you think of my clothes. None of it. My value is found in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and how they see me and what they say about me. has to be the same for each and every one of us you are good we are good because he is good do you know the value of things as Pete was sharing at communion the value of things um, things aren't getting more valuable it's actually the value of the dollar that drops and because there's more money in circulation because the population of the world has increased so there's more money which means that every dollar is actually worth less do you know there's around 7.3 billion people on this planet? That doesn't make any one of us any less valuable. Because God our Father is like, Leone, there is only one Leone. And he delights in her and rejoices over her. There is only one Lorinda and he delights in her and rejoices over her. There's only one Dennis and he delights in him and rejoices over him. There's only one of you, only one. You, are, you have been bought for a price that only one person could pay. One person. And that was God. That's how good you are. That's how much he loves every single one of us. And he goes, you know what, I'm going to buy them back. I'm going to pay the price to bring them back into right relationship with me. You are good. I am good. We are good. Because he's good. Amen? Amen. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality 
impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If there is an area of your life that you really struggle with, that you feel like you can't get control over, or you feel like it's got control over you, and it might be anger, it might be rage, it might be greed, it might be gluttony, it might be idolatry, anything listed in that or something that you like, man, this really gets in the way of my relationship with the Lord. I feel like this area of my life is keeping me from stepping, from keeping in step with the Spirit. I want to invite you to stand up now and we're going to gather around you and pray. Now, in doing that, I say, as I always do, this is a safe place. There is no judgment, there is no guilt, there is no shame. We stand with you, not against you. So I want to invite you, if there is an area of your life that gets in the way of you walking in step with the Spirit as we have been invited to do by Jesus Christ himself, I want you to stand up and we're going to pray with you and for you now. Lord God, we thank you for your freedom. We thank you that for freedom we have been set free. Thank you that you are the one who called us to be free. Thank you that you invite us to walk in step with the Spirit not only do you invite us, but you make a way. Where the, Lord, where the law condemns, it's grace that enables. The grace that enables us to walk in step with you. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are good all the time and your love endures forever. I feel like I've said it 50 times over this morning, Lord, but I feel like that's still not enough. For the people that are standing right now, Lord, we just declare freedom freedom in the name of Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is liberty. That these people would walk in absolute freedom. We break off ties of the bind. We break off the shackles that hold them back. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill them to overflowing. Let them encounter you afresh today in this moment. Thank you for their obedience, their willingness to stand and say, this is something that I'm struggling with. Thank you for your love flowing through them in this moment. Thank you for your power, your grace and your mercy. You can keep praying. The other thing I want to do is, if there's anybody here this morning that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have not accepted him as your Lord and Saviour, I want to invite you that this is your day. This is the time, this is the day that you can receive him as Lord and Saviour, that you can say yes and amen to everything that has in store for you and everything that he has done for you. And if you, you want to do that, is there anybody here that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? I just want you to raise your hand, not to freak you out, not to make you stand out, but we want to celebrate with you, we want to welcome you. If not, we'll be down the front as we sing this final song. Don't leave it till another moment, another day to confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Can I invite you to all to stand? 
Father God, we thank you for all that you've done, all that you are doing and all that you're about to do. Encounter us, Lord God. Make a way where there seems no way. I pray that our hearts will be stirred up, Lord, for the hearts that have grown cold towards you, to other people, Lord. Can you just all close your eyes and bow your heads? For the hearts that have grown cold towards you and what you might want to do in us, come and flood those hearts with your love, Lord. Flood those hearts with your loving grace that makes a way where there seems no way. For the walls that have been built up that keep you out, Lord, we break them down in the mighty name of Jesus. For the people that don't know you as good, for those of us that don't know you as a good, good Father, Lord, in this moment, may they have a fresh encounter with you. May they see you as a perfect, loving Father that made them in your image. May we all know you, Lord, as as the one who fearfully and wonderfully made us, who knew us before we were born, who set aside a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us from before we were conceived, Lord. Father God, how good you are, how wonderful you are, how majestic you are. Holy Spirit, come, flood this place, have your way in us, Lord, that would be radically changed by an encounter with you. Breathe new life into us, into our spirits, our souls, our bodies. Come and do what you want to do, Lord. We are here for you.